Welcome to the Unbecoming Podcast, where you can join me, Stephanie Baranowski, in an authentic, personal perspective of my expat journey and my many travel adventures. Grab a beverage of your choice, set yourself up in a cozy environment, and be prepared to be inspired. Each episode, I open up my personal narrative of what it's like to unbecome everything you once were in order to become everything you were meant to be. Let's dive in, head first, eyes closed, and a strong cup of faith. May 23rd, 2023. My dog's birthday. I have had my dog Whistler for just under eight years. He turns eight years old this year. And this will be the first year that I do not have him. My mom has him right now. And he's well taken care of. But this dog is such a special dog. I got this dog, and he he came into my life when he was three months old. And I knew I was getting a dog for a long time. My partner at the time, this was my first fiance, we had talked about getting a dog for a long time. And at the time, we him and I did a long-distance relationship, and when we were, we always talked about getting a dog when I returned home. And when I returned home, it was after my first yoga teacher training. He drove across Canada. It was so romantic. He drove across Canada. He came to pick me up for my yoga teacher training. And we had plans to travel across Canada and camp through the mountains and visit, visit all those touristy destinations. I actually thought I was about to get engaged on that trip, but I didn't. But along the way, we did talk about getting a dog and what kind of dog we wanted and what was important for us in the kind of dog that we wanted. And we both agreed, well, we live in a condo, so a small dog is necessary for us. We also wanted a dog that was energetic because both of us were very active individuals. He was a gym teacher. I was now a yoga teacher. And we both lived a very, very active lifestyle. We traveled. We wanted a small dog that we could travel with, but that we could be very active with. Something that was playful, that was good for kids, for a family. Also because he was a teacher, so he was around kids all the time. So we figured, well, we'll bring the dog around the kids all the time. And so we looked up dogs, and there was a few that kind of came up. And this one dog that came up, and I I didn't even know about this dog until it came up, was a Cairn Terrier. Very cool looking dog. Scruffy looking, small enough, had energy, good tempered, you can train them well. This was perfect. So then he said, well, why don't you start looking to see if there's any breeders in our area that we could, you know talk to about getting a dog and see how much it would cost. So I started doing my research while he was driving and we were about, we were in Saskatchewan at this point. And if you know your Canadian geography, Saskatchewan is flatlands. There's nothing interesting around. And it's about, if you're from Saskatoon, I think it's about a nine hour drive from Winnipeg. So I knew I had nine hours ahead of me to uh, get going and to um, 
do my research on this. So that was plenty of time. Nine hours ahead of me to do my research, send out emails. And I did just that. There was a couple of them. There's a couple of breeders that I found and I sent out emails. I figured, okay, emails are sent. Now we wait. Well, I actually got an email an hour before we arrived in Winnipeg. I open up the email and it says, we have one puppy left. I look at my partner at the time and I say, they have one puppy left. He's like, okay, well, why don't you email them back and say we're interested? So I emailed back, said we were interested, asked for the cost, you know, what would, what would we need? What would this entail? Um, you know, where exactly were they located? They were located in Thunder Bay. Okay, so the breeder was a little further away, but we can make it work. I mean, we had traveled across Canada, across Western Canada. What was more driving going to be? <clears throat> so we looked further into this and we, more emails went back and forth. And we came to the conclusion that this was the puppy we were going to get. We were getting a Cairn Terrier. And we brought up the subject. We, you know, a month goes by because we knew we couldn't get the puppy right away. There was um, some paperwork we needed to do. We needed to just send a deposit in. You know, we, we needed to um, set up traveling to go get this puppy, um, you know, trying to meet up with this person. So we go to the lake with his parents and we sit down with his parents and we break the news. And we say, well, we're getting a puppy. And his mom, and I will never, ever forget this. His mom jumped up and said, you're not ready for a puppy. And the blood in me was boiling, absolutely boiling. I had grown up with dogs the majority of my life. So had he. We both knew how to have a dog, to train a dog. And we had been dating now for quite some time. Not a long time, but enough to have a relationship where we wanted to share responsibility with each other. I mean, I was moving in with him. And to hear those words from his mother's mouth, and at the age, we were just under 30 years old. We were, I think we were about 28 or 29 years old. It's not like we were 18. <clears throat> and to have your future mother-in-law, at the time I didn't know that, but to have your future mother-in-law stand up and say, you're not ready, and storm out of the room, it made my blood boil. And at the time, my partner said nothing. And his dad said nothing. And his brother said nothing. Everybody went quiet. I looked at my partner. I said, can we go for a walk? And he said, yeah. We go for a walk. We get to the docks. I look at him and I say, I'm not happy. I'm really disappointed at the fact that that's what your mother said. And you didn't stick up for us and our relationship and the decisions that we made together. And he didn't really say anything. And I never really understood the family dynamics around that. It, looking back on it, I see that the mother was definitely the controller of that entire family and made all the decisions. That's bygones be bygones. 
so we get this dog, we get this puppy, we, we drive him and I, you know, a few weeks later, we drive all the way to Thunder Bay and we pick up this puppy. He was bigger than I thought he was going to be. Like I, I thought that I was going to get a small puppy that would fit in my hands, but he was actually quite big already by the time I got him. He was three months old and he was so cute. I did look at his sister, though. His sister was definitely cuter, but he was so cute. And we had him in the car, and we just, I fell in love with him the day that I got him. Holding him in my arms, having him sleep on me. And we get home, and it was tough. It was really, really tough for us. We had just moved in together. We got engaged shortly after we got the dog. And training this little puppy and living life together was so challenging. There were times where we were so exhausted from this puppy that we would fall asleep with all the lights on in the house, on the couch with our heads next to each other because we were that tired. But I was ready for this puppy, but I realized that he wasn't. I realized that when my partner's mother had said, you're not ready for a dog. It really meant she wasn't ready for us to have a dog, but also she wasn't ready for her son to take on that responsibility. And I think she knew intuitively that he wouldn't be able to take on the responsibility because the responsibility meant that he was going to share the responsibility with his parents because his parents did everything for him and they supported him with everything, which is loving and caring, but it was hard for them to release the fact that he was going to be taking on this responsibility with somebody else and not them. And I don't even think he was ready for that. So when him and I took on the responsibility, it really fell on mostly on me for responsibility. I trained my dog. I disciplined him. I was there most of the time with him because I was only working part-time at the time. I went on my lunch breaks to go let him out. And so when that relationship ended between my partner and I, I looked at my partner and I said to him, I, I'm taking the dog. And he didn't even argue with me. He looked at me and he said, yes. You can have the dog. So from that moment, that dog, Whistler, was no longer ours. He was mine. But I think from day one, he really was mine. He went everywhere with me. He went to the yoga studio with me. He went to run errands with me. He went on a cross-Western Canada trip with me. And he went with me to all the different places I lived and the in and out of the relationships that I was with. Every friend place that allowed to have my dog over, I would bring. He became my best friend. And I knew there was moments in my life where I felt lonely, I felt unsure of myself because I had 
one broken engagement. And I remember taking my dog, I took Whistler for really long walks, like hour-long walks, and I loved it. I loved just being just me and my dog, or my dog and I. And then I got into my second engagement, and that one... um, I realized looking back on it, there was moments where I really should have stood up for my relationship with my dog a little bit more. I mean, you live and you learn. But again, I left that relationship. And when I left, the day that I left that relationship, I took one bag of stuff and my dog all of my dog's belongings. I still had like three quarters of my own belongings left behind, but all of my dog's belongings came with me and my dog. He became my healer through these broken engagements. He became my healer of understanding myself. And animals truly are healing their energy, their presence, but also the responsibility of of taking care of something kept me out of trouble, kept me out of doing those um, unhealthy healing habits that sometimes people do, like self-medicating with alcohol or anything like that. And I wasn't interested in that because I never wanted to jeopardize, you know, him being compromised. He meant a lot to me. He was the one thing that was constant throughout all of that ups and downs and people coming and going in my life. My dog was my constant. And so he not only became my best friend, but he really, truly became a symbol of my healing. And so when I left for London, I tried my hardest to try and get my dog over to London. It's a blessing in disguise that he didn't end up coming because I don't think I would have been able to fully experience the adventure I needed to be on with my dog. But I also don't think it would have been healthy to have him here. I don't think that he would have done well in this environment. He needs... He needs me to be, or he needs someone to be there with him all the time. And the lifestyle here in London, I mean, most people have dogs, a lot of people have dogs, but his personality, I, he goes everywhere with me. So I knew that I couldn't just leave him behind in a house, in a foreign country, in a foreign city. But I did try my hardest. I looked into every loophole possible. The thing is, is when you transfer your animal over to another country, there's all sorts of laws that go around this. And then especially if you're transporting by plane, there's all sorts of customs and laws um, that you really have to look into and paperwork you have to look into and fees. And what I found was transferring my dog from Canada to the UK was going to create, there was going to be so many barriers. One, the planes wouldn't allow him to come into um, 
the normal area with me. He'd have to be under the plane. And I was not comfortable with that because I'd heard horror stories about animals not doing well and even dying on the airplane. Number two, he would have to get this very specific test done that only could be done in one place in all of North America. And there was a wait list for it, a months long wait list. Not only that, but the fees were through the roof because you couldn't just do it through your, yourself. You had to go through an agency in order to be able to book the process of getting your dog transferred over just for legality reasons. And the cost of that would be $3,000 Canadian. I'm sure a little bit more with probably some extra fees tacked onto that, but $3,000 Canadian to transfer my dog over and to not guarantee whether he would be alive the entire trip. That would have been so heartbreaking for me. And so I thought about it and I really, really thought about it. And... And I asked my family to take my dog. And it was the most heartbreaking thing I had to endure because my dog, over the last, well, at the time it was seven years, had done everything with me. Seven years of your animals sleeping with you every single day, greeting you at the door when you come home. Every single day, going for walks out in nature and just being your best friend. I had to go from that to not having my dog at all. And I remember my first week in London. I didn't cry necessarily because I missed my friends and my family. I cried because I missed my dog. I knew because I had been through so much that, you know, having the, those moments of not having your friends and family around was, it was fine for me. But having the moment of being in tears and not having my dog, that was so eye-opening and so heartbreaking. And, and the reality of how much attachment I had to my dog. My dog was, was more than just my best friend, more than just my family, more than just my healer. He was almost like an extension of myself. Like I, I almost needed him. And so that first week was so hard. The next week was hard. The next week after that was hard. But as time moved on, I developed a, an unattachment to the idea of having him around. And as time moved on, months and months later, I knew he was okay. And he was in a good environment. And he was healthy. And I figured, okay, he's safe. He's healthy. I'm on this adventure. I'm not going to be away from him forever. This is just for the time being now. And I can't just stop my life just because my dog's not here. I need to live because there's some lessons I need to go through and grow through for my own personal self. And so it's been a year that my dog has been away from me. And I... My mom sends me pictures and videos all the time, which is nice. And I've, you know, FaceTimed with my dog. I don't know if people do that, but I do that, <laughs> FaceTime with my dog. And you can tell, you can tell in an animal's soul that, that they have a soul. You look at them 
you and there's this very special word it's anthropomorphism where we attach human like qualities to non-humans including animals but I really truly see the soul in my dog and I see that he misses me he hears my voice on the phone and he you can tell he's up he gets upset he starts whining and crying for me there's a one point in time my mom had the phone down on the on the floor and he was trying to dig at the phone like where's my mama right you can tell you can tell there's a he remembers and he he hears my voice and he he remembers which inside of me there was like a it's like a push-pull effect it's like oh well that's like a good feeling that knowing that my dog hasn't forgotten about me but it's a sad thing knowing that he misses me like that so deep inside my soul I see his soul and uh I know one day he's not going to be around forever. And I, I tell my mom this and my mom's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to, I don't want to know when he's going to pass. My mom's developed a quite an attachment to my dog, but I think about it. And I think about, you know, the time when he does pass about, it's going to be time to let go. And I know that I won't be able to, to handle it unless I get another dog. And so part of me knows that I need to get another dog before he goes um, just so he has a companion in his li- last years of his life, but also so that it makes the transition of letting him go a little bit easier. I don't know why people do that, but we do do it. Um, but I, I know that he is a very special, very, very special addition to my life. And moving through this journey without that piece of me, has taught me a lot of lessons about non-attachment and about trusting yourself to heal yourself. I guess I had relied so heavily on my dog to, as an outside healer that when I did move to London, there was a, I cried because there was a loss of trust within myself that I can handle it myself. So that was a big concept, a big lesson to learn that I am capable of learning this on my own and my dog isn't always going to be around and yes he was a healer but he's not my soul healer but I am in charge of my healing as well and I am in charge of my own comfort and I am in charge of the thoughts that I allow in my mind to come and go So my dog's birthday, he turns eight this year. The life expectancy of his breed is about 12 years. So what's that? Eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So about four or five years before he starts becoming, you know, a little going downhill health-wise. And it really makes me also think about the concept of life. And... Animals have these shorter periods of life than we do as humans. Dogs, cats have shorter periods of life. I mean, my dog has a lifespan of 12 years. We as people have a much larger lifespan, you know, 80, 90, 100. Making it to 100 isn't as common, but we have a longer lifespan. And, but it's still a short lifespan even then. And it makes me think about animals... 
they live fully in the moment because they don't know anything. They don't know about history. They don't know about, uh, you know, the future. They don't know about politics. They only know your love. And life is short. And with that animal encompassing and feeling love for those entire 12 years, the most beautiful life you could have. It makes me think about my own life and the beauty of love, the presence of love in my life and how we live such a short life, but that we should always stay connected to that love and to that being present in life and enjoying it in the moment and not getting caught up about, you know, what happened in the past or you know, what needs to happen in the future, but really, truly living in the moment and being excited like a dog to see your best friend or to see your family member, or to see your partner every day and having that unconditional love for them no matter what. And it always surprised me that, you know, I'd, I'd leave and no matter what the time frame it was that I was gone, I could be gone for 10 minutes or I could be gone for 10 hours and I come home and my dog still greets me with the exact same energy. This unconditional love is just any, I've never experienced anything like it. And I don't think there is anything quite like it. And so it really made me think about, you know, really embracing the moments and being in the present moment with those that you love and, and having that exact same energy, no matter how much they annoy you, no matter how much you get mad because they left, you know, dishes in the sink rather than putting them in the dishwasher, or, you know, they didn't fold the laundry or they forgot to pay a bill or what have you. No matter how much they annoy you, that you still show, be present with them and you show your unconditional love for them. That's a really important lesson I, I learned in all of this. You know, reflecting and thinking about this and, and thinking about you know, my dog's birthday and how much he means to me. So happy birthday to Whistler. I, I think it goes beyond that, though. Whistler is not just important in my life, but I need to acknowledge the fact that I used to take him to the yoga studio and he, he became a staple in the yoga studio atmosphere. And to this day, I still have people asking about him from either other yoga teachers I know or other students that I used to have um, in my classes asking, hey, how's Whistler doing? How's he doing? I, I had a friend yesterday who she messaged me and she said, are you home? Because I had posted something about my dog, and I said, "No, I'm not home." And uh, she's like, "Oh, Whistler's so cute." I always get comments about him, right? He's not just a special dog in my life, but he's really his personality and and his energy and and his love has really brought light to people's lives. And I see that, and uh, it's really cool to experience the healing power of an animal. And the love of an animal and how that changes the energy of, of people around you and even within yourself. Moving forward into the next week ahead, you know, did you grow up with animals? And, uh, you know, how has having animals in your shaped your life or shaped your being? Or, you know, not if you've never had an animal, you know, what kind of animal would you like to have and, and why? What do you think that would do for your life? How do you think it would change your life? You know, what do you think are some of the responsibilities and lessons you'd learn from having an animal in your life or that you have had an animal in your life? Um, 
Yeah, something to reflect on moving forward into the, the week ahead. As always, thank you for tuning in. So much gratitude every single week. I, I love, love making these podcasts. I love sharing and being open and vulnerable with my listeners. And uh, I think that uh, there's something to be said about storytelling and, and learning lessons and, and learning things from each other and, and even building that connection, even just having you listen. As always, I'm always open to if you have any comments or questions or just want to chat. Otherwise, enjoy the week ahead and uh, I look forward to you tuning in next Friday. Take care. 